0: Hello, and welcome back to Knowles Book Nook. October is considered the spookiest time of the year, and there are many classic stories that are spooky and from a genre called horror. Robert Louis Stevenson is one of my favorite authors. When I was growing up, one of my favorite books was his story of Treasure Island, of pirates and hidden treasure and adventure on the high seas. Well, Robert Louis Stevenson also wrote this book, a book about a man who wondered if someone could be completely good if all of the bad were taken away. He experimented with it, and, well, the results were not what he expected. The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde Chapter 2 Search For Mr. Hyde. That evening, Mr. Utterson came home to his bachelor house in sombre spirits, and sat down to dinner without relish. It was his custom on a Sunday, when his meal was over, to sit close by the fire, a volume of some dry divinity on his reading desk, until the clock of the neighboring church rang out the hour of twelve, when he would go soberly and gratefully to bed. On this night, however, as soon as the cloth was taken away, He took up a candle and went into his business room. There, he opened his safe, took from the most private part of it a document endorsed on the envelope as Doctor Jekyll's will, and sat down with a clouded brow to study its contents. The will was holograph for Mr. Utterson, though he took charge of it. Now that it was made, had refused to lend the least assistance in the making of it. It provided not only that in case of the decease of Henry Jekyll, M.D., DCL, LLD, FRS, etc., all his possessions were to pass into the hands of his, quote, friend and benefactor Edward Hyde, end quote, but that in case of Dr. Jekyll's, quote, disappearance or unexplained absence for any period exceeding three calendar months, end quote, the said Edward Hyde, should step into the said Henry Jekyll's shoes without further delay and free from any burthen or obligation beyond the payment of a few small sums to the members of the doctor's household. This document had long been the lawyer's eyesore. It offended him both as a lawyer and as a lover of the sane and customary sides of life, to whom the fanciful was the immodest. And hitherto it was his ignorance of Mr. Hyde, that swelled his indignation. Now, by a sudden turn, it was his knowledge. It was already bad enough when the name was but a name, of which he could learn no more. It was worse when it began to be clothed upon with detestable attributes, and out of the shifting, insubstantial mists that had so long baffled his eye, there leaped up the sudden, definite presentment of a fiend. I thought it was madness, he said as he replaced the obnoxious paper in the safe, and now I begin to fear it is disgrace. From that time forward, Mr. Utterson began to haunt the door in the by-street of shops. In the morning, before office hours, at noon when business was plenty and time scarce, at night, under the face of the fogged city moon, by all lights and at all hours of solitude or concourse, the lawyer was to be found on his chosen post. If he be Mr. Hyde, he had thought, I shall be Mr. Seek, and at last his patience was rewarded. It was a fine, dry night, frost in the air, the streets as clean as a ballroom floor, the lamps unshaken by any wind, drawing a regular pattern of light and shadow. By ten o'clock, when the shops were closed, the by-street was very solitary, and— in spite of the low growl of London from all around, very silent. Small sounds carried far. Domestic sounds of the houses were clearly audible on either side of the roadway, and the rumour of the approach of any passer by preceded him by a long time. Mr. Utterson had been some minutes at his post when he was aware of an odd light footstep drawing near. In the course of his nightly patrols, he had long grown accustomed to the quaint effect with which the footfalls of a single person, while he is still a great way off, suddenly sprang out distinct from the vast hum and clatter of the city. Yet his attention had never before been so sharply and decisively arrested, and it was with a strong, superstitious provision of success that he withdrew into the entry of the court. The steps drew swiftly nearer and swelled out suddenly louder as they turned the end of the street. The lawyer, looking forth from the entry, could soon see what manner of man he had to deal with. He was small and very plainly dressed, and the look of him, even at that distance, went somehow strongly against the watcher's inclination. But he made straight for the door, crossing the roadway to save time, and as he came, he drew a key from his pocket, like one approaching home. Mr. Utterson stepped out and touched him on the shoulder as he passed. Mr. Hyde, I think. Mr. Hyde shrank back with a hissing intake of the breath, but his fear was only momentary, and though he did not look the lawyer in the face, he answered coolly enough. That is my name. What do you want? I see you are going in, returned the lawyer. I am an old friend of Dr. Jekyll's, Mr. Utterson of Caunt Street, you must have heard of my name, and meeting you so conveniently, I thought you might admit me. You will not find Dr. Jekyll. He is from home, replied Mr. Hyde, blowing in the key. And then suddenly, but still without looking up, How do you know me? he asked. On your side, Mr. Utterson, will you do me a favor? With pleasure, replied the other. What shall it be? Will you let me see your face? asked the lawyer. Mr. Hyde appeared to hesitate, and then, as if upon some sudden reflection, fronted about with an air of defiance, and the pair stared at each other pretty fixedly for a few seconds. Now I shall know you again, said Mr. Utterson. It may be useful. Yes, replied Mr. Hyde. It is as well as we have met. And, apropos, you should have my address. And he gave a number of a street in Soho. Good God, thought Mr. Utterson. Can he, too, have been thinking of the will? But he kept his feelings to himself, and only grunted in acknowledgement of the address. And now, said the other, how did you know me? By description, was the reply. Whose description? We have common friends said Mr. Utterson. Common friends, echoed Mr. Hyde a little hoarsely. Who are they? Jekyll, for instance, said the lawyer. He never told you, cried Mr. Hyde with a flush of anger. I do not think you would have lied. Come, said Mr. Utterson. That is not fitting language. The other snarled aloud into a savage laugh. And the next moment, with extraordinary quickness, he had unlocked the door And disappeared into the house. The lawyer stood a while when Mr. Hyde had left him, the picture of disquietude. Then he began slowly to mount the street, pausing every step or two and putting his hand to his brow like a man in mental perplexity. The problem he was thus debating as he walked was one of a class that is rarely solved. Mr. Hyde was pale and dwarfish. He gave an impression of deformity without any nameable malformation. He had a displeasing smile. He had borne himself to the lawyer with a sort of murderous mixture of timidity and boldness, and he spoke with a husky, whispering, and somewhat broken voice. All these were points against him, but not all of these together could explain the hitherto unknown disgust, loathing, and fear with which Mr. Utterson regarded him. There must be something else, said the perplexed gentleman. There is something more, if I could find a name for it. God bless me, the man seems hardly human. Something troglodytic, shall we say, or can it be the old story of Dr. Fell, or is it the mere radiance of a foul soul that thus transpires through and transfigures its clay continent? The last, I think. Ah. My poor old Harry Jekyll, if ever I read Satan's signature upon a face, it is on that of your new friend. And the lawyer set out homeward with a very heavy heart. Poor Harry Jekyll, he thought, my mind misgives me in his deep waters. He was wild when he was young, a long while ago to be sure, but in the law of God there is no statute of limitations. I must be that, the ghost of some old sin, the cancer of some concealed disgrace. Punishment coming, years after memory is forgotten and self-love condoned the fault. And the lawyer, scared by the thought, brooded a while on his own past, groping in all the corners of memory, At least by chance some jack-in-the-box of an old inequity should leap to light there. His past was fairly blameless. Few men could read the rolls of their life with less apprehension. Yet he was humbled to the dust by the many ill things he had done, and raised up again into a sober and fearful gratitude by the many he had come so near to doing yet avoided. And then, by a return on his own former subject, he conceived a spark of hope. This Mr. Hyde, if he were studied, thought he must have secrets of his own, black secrets by the look of him, secrets compared to which poor Jekyll's worst would be like sunshine. Things could not continue as they are, it turns me cold to think of this creature stealing like a thief to Harry's bedside. Poor Harry, what awakening! And the danger of it, for if this hide suspects the existence of the will, he may grow impatient to inherit. I, I must put my shoulders to the wheel. If Jekyll will but let me, he added, if Jekyll will only let me. For once more, he saw before his mind's eye, as clear as transparency, the strange clauses of the will. This story has been adapted and has inspired so many versions on stage, on television, in the movies, even in comic books. Have you ever heard of a character named The Incredible Hulk? Well, Dr. Bruce Banner and the Hulk owe their very existence to Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde. It's an incredible book, and I hope you take the opportunity to read it. And I really hope you take the opportunity to join me again on another Knowles Book Nook. Thanks so much. Bye now. Knowles Book Nook is produced in association with Beagle Booth Studios, available for all your audio and editing needs. Just go to natebeagle.com.